0: 101. Well, very Good Monday morning, everyone. Welcome into Live Planning 101 right here on KETX KWBY. And Angela Robinson joins us this morning. A cool start to the morning, Angela, but we have a very special guest on the line with us.
1: That is right. And so excited to have this very special guest, which I'll uh, talk about here in just a second, uh, with us this morning. And uh, we've got a great topic. I think, you know, 2020 has given everybody a sense of stop pause, look at things from a different perspective. And I think we've gotten in a mode uh, over the last decade plus of college funding being a real issue for families. You know, parents want to be able to help their children through school, but it's getting to a point that they almost can't without sacrificing their retirement. Sure. And it's a real issue. And whether you're part of this is your grandchildren's education or you're as a parent trying to figure things out, you know, we are constantly looking for solutions and things that we can do to help people have the best of both worlds. And I think a lot of it sometimes starts with the kid themselves. You know, uh, we've already been telling our kids we're not promising anything uh, because we don't know what the future holds. But I think a lot of parents do that. They say, you know, we're going to pay for your school. Um, as long as you're making good grades and we wanna help you get that education. And, you know, one of the things that you end up doing is you end up having a lot of debt at the back end of that education. We have one family that we work with that has over $100,000 of student loan debt. Wow. Yeah. And it's hurting them bad. They're retirement age. They're ready to retire and they can't because they've got to get rid of this student loan debt. And so what can you do? And really, like I mentioned, it starts with, um, you know, educating the child on what really can be done. Um, And I say child, they're eight, 18 years old at this juncture, but you know they are still your child. So uh, we have a very special guest on the line with us today, and I'm super excited to have him. Uh, this was an intern with us over the summer. And he is going to Texas Tech right now, working on his master's degree in financial planning. He's still interning with us, uh, via remotely. We live in a remote world today, right? Uh, living in Texas Tech, and uh, he's just an exceptional young man. We've had just so much uh, fun being able to work with him, and you know, he's got a great mind on him, a uh, great personality, and we're really excited for him to be able to come into this industry because you know it's exciting to see people that want to be in this industry for the right reason. And I believe that he does. And so, Mr. Jeff Field, are you with us this morning?
2: I am. I am. Thanks, Angela.
1: Awesome. Well, it's exciting to have you on. And I, I know before we get into the nuts and bolts of this conversation around college funding, which, by the way, you provided an outstanding article for this week's newsletter with uh, life planning 101 so make sure you sign up for that at www.kennedy-financial.com and uh, sign up for our newsletter so that you can receive all this information that we're going to be talking about because there's a font of it thank you Jeff appreciate that Um, But what I want to ask you about first and foremost, just to give the the listeners a little bit about you is, you know, you are you're a trader, right? You came from Texas A&M to Texas Tech. So I think a lot of people (laughs) consider that a trader. But uh, you're headed into uh, the financial planning school. And and why is that? Why are you doing this and, and taking this route with your life?
2: Yeah, thanks again for that awesome introduction. So my main purpose for choosing to pursue financial planning is I just wanted to do something where I felt like I have a pretty good head for numbers and I wanted to turn that into a way to leave a lasting impact on on families and individuals and you know as I'm going through my undergrad this seemed to be some way that I could I could really impart my desire to to want to help people out and uh, you know make a pretty good living for myself doing it as well
1: absolutely well that's wonderful well that's what we found with you is this summer is you just have a huge servant heart and uh, this article you've put so much effort into this going to show it and talking about college funding in today's world so before we don't want to get into the nuts and bolts of things but you talked about in your article the average cost of college which I don't think is too uh, shocking in today's world but what is shocking is the average debt at graduation will you speak to what those numbers are for just a minute
2: yeah, absolutely. So the average cost for a private school and a public school, respectively, was right around 54000 for the private school and then right around 27000 for the public school. And um, I can speak from my experience. That's right on par for for what I've experienced at A&M and Tech both. That $26,000, range is range uh, is right on par. And then the average debt at graduation is, Probably the most shocking to me it was like twenty five thousand nine hundred, so right around twenty six thousand, mm. and that was shocking to me because I actually feel like that's really low. Um, <laughs> I can speak, you know, like I said from my own experience, and uh, did fund a lot of my education through loans, and um, I mean with twenty six thousand coming out a year. You had a good, a decent amount of help. If you're coming out only down twenty five thousand.
1: <laughs> right, right, and I think that goes to speak about you know parents helping their kids as much as they can. Because uh, I, I, I felt with that too. You know, we, you're obviously not the uh, first young advisor we've hired into our firm, and. You know, we, we see this all the time. And if it's a college graduate with any sense of education, that number is a lot higher. So I was shocked. I, I'm right there with you and couldn't believe that number being said. But I also assume, you know, there's a lot of people that are taking dual courses in high school now and things are changing. Uh, trade schools, you know, they may be including those numbers there. Do you know if that's the truth?
2: I don't know if uh, the trade school is involved, but I do think that it is a very fair point about parents helping out their kids. And so, you know, it's the average debt at graduation. So it's stretched along the people that paid for their own school and, you know, also people that had school probably entirely paid for. So I'm assuming that's what's uh, dropping that number down so low
1: yeah absolutely well you talked about four funding options and we're going to be exploring these today um but before we go to break why don't you just give uh the headlines of what those options are so people can know if if this is worth their while to be listening into life planning 101 today of course i think it is but uh they'll want to know what those titles are
2: yeah absolutely and it kind of goes in order from kind of most known to most uh, obscure and so starts out with uh Scholarships and grants from the government, and then you could get uh, a student research position or a job on campus. Uh, there's public service loan forgiveness, which is a really neat one if if you're interested in something like teaching or uh, working for a nonprofit. And then uh, the final one, which I learned about doing research for the article, actually is an uh, income share agreement. So.
1: Interesting. Well, I, I learned a lot through this, too. So I'm real excited for our listeners. And when we come back on Life Planning 101, you're not going to want to miss alternate ways to be able to help your children and grandchildren fund their education right here on Life Planning 101.
0: Segment two, Life Planning 101, right here on KTX, KWY. Angela has her special guest. He's talking... College debt.
1: Yes, college debt. How to fund college. You know, so many people try to just t- take care of this as they go or take care of it on the back end or get the shock effect after they uh, see the first year of tuition, which is astronomical, as mentioned in the first half. And we have very special guest, Jeff Rumfield, intern at Kennedy Financial Services and working on his master's degree in financial planning at Texas Tech. So happy to have you with us, Jeff. You mentioned these four things, and I know a lot of people understand scholarships and grants, but I think what they don't understand necessarily is the real impact that can come with it. And through your research or through your experience, do you think it's worth people's while to be looking into this?
2: Absolutely. Yes. I and mean, there's an a a old wise tale, I tried to find the specific story to include in, but of uh, the kid that um, just spent all of his time applying for scholarships and, and ended up, you know, graduating debt-free. And so and I think that story really can be replicated because they're offered for all different reasons, you know, merit-based, the, the, the class you belong to. Um, but it's definitely worth get, getting a, taking a dive into it and seeing what options are out
0: there for you.
1: Yeah, and you gave a great, and thank you. You gave a great short list of website references for people to start this look, this looking with nine of them that are in this article. Again, www.kennedy-financial.com. Thank you uh, for doing that. You know, one of the things that we always tell people, uh, the, the parents, of course, we're usually working with the parents, right? And we say, you know, one of the great things you can do about scholarships and grants is tell your kids for every dollar that you get in scholarship or grant money, you know, I'll give you a quarter of that in cash. Um, yeah. and you, just, you just save 75%, right? <laughs> but, right. Um, but it incentivizes your kids to go out and do this. But I found it interesting to your point that there's tons of qualifications here. You know, not just academics or athletic-based.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a wide range of things. I mean, there's competitions that come with scholarships. There's different artistic endeavors that maybe someone wants to reward with a scholarship. I mean, you, you never know. It, it really is at the mercy of the person funding the scholarship and their imagination and what they think is valuable. And, and you know, as you know, there's, there's a wide range of people out there. So there's a wide range of uh, scholarships as well.
1: So get creative is the bottom line. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Well, let's talk about number two here. You said uh, student research positions and jobs on campus. Explain how this helps pay for college.
2: Yeah. So I actually I'm, I'm a great person to speak on it because I actually before I started at Kennedy I, I had a job on campus and it, I mean it just paid a normal paycheck which that's how some of them work but then I also know that I also have some peers that uh, she had a job where her and uh, her whole tuition was covered through the job, and then she also still got a paycheck on top of that. And oh, then wow. And Yeah. And my brother is at school at University of North Texas in Denton, and he just started a research position, and his is a similar situation to that. It's not full tuition covered, but half of his tuition is covered, and then he still makes a paycheck um, and gets paid for his time. So uh, definitely a lot of value in looking, in on, looking into that and you also build some connections with some faculty in your um in your program that that might become valuable later on as well so you know it's not what you know it's who you know so these are pretty good people to to get to know
1: yeah i think those are powerful words coming from a student because it's so true you know we've always been looking for connections in our business to grow our business so that is powerful you also mentioned in your article that this isn't just limited to
2: schools no it's not only limited to school there's uh hospitals, and then, uh, you know, if you're in a going to school in the metropolitan area, there's research institutions and community-based organizations that uh, they're often filling research positions, and uh, they're backed by grants from the government. So that could be a great opportunity for you to look for some research, and it looks great on a resume, too, to know that you had some, some hands-on experience and, and thought through some things.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So when do people need to start Doing that, do they wait till they get there to school and just see what's going on, or what would you recommend?
2: So, me personally, I kind of just waited to get my feet wet at school and and, and feel out what positions are available. But the friend that I was speaking about earlier, the one that got her actual whole tuition paid for, she was very proactive and it out before she got there the semester before. And she was able to come in the first semester of school with a, with a job on campus that had her tuition completely covered. So uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. If I could recommend something, I would say go be proactive and, and do some research and, and contact some people in the program that you're in and want to work in uh, before you get there. And they can at least start to point you in the right direction.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's phenomenal information. <laughs> I know a lot of people be uh, chomping at the bit to see what they can do with their kids there. Uh, and then let's get into this uh, public service loan forgiveness. I think we've got just a minute left before the break, and uh, we may have to split this in two. But I think this is just a, an incredible program. We've actually worked with um, some of our clients' kids on the back end with this uh, once they've already been involved in this program and it works very well so explain a little bit about what this is and how it helps pay for college
2: so basically the government has come and said that they want to incentivize people to work in public service fields and typically these aren't you know your highest paying jobs and and the employment that qualifies for the program includes uh, working with a government agency, that could be either state, federal, or local, or tribal, if you're on an Indian reservation. Employment with a charitable or nonprofit tax exempt, and the 501c3. Uh, Full-time AmeriCorps or Peace Corps uh, members, and then this is probably the most common one, is the full-time teachers uh, in a low-income elementary or or secondary school. Mm. And so... Yeah, basically you, they want to incentivize you to, to, to go, you know, work with these fields that are helping people and helping the, the community. And if you make on-time payments for 120 payments, so 10 years, then the government comes in and steps in and says that they'll forgive what's left of your student loans. Ah,
1: oh, that's awesome. And I, as I understand it, it's not just that, isn't it? Like it, they they change that payment based on your income, your what you can afford?
2: Yes. Yeah. So they'll come in and they'll change that payment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So that's, uh, that's huge. That's huge. You know, I, I know we always talk about giving more to our teachers specifically right. and we need good people. And I think a lot of times people don't go into education Just because they believe that there's no way that they could ever pay for their student loans. Well, Mm -hmm. bingo. (laughs) Uh, So that's huge. Well, thank you, Jeff. And uh, when we come back, you're not going to want to miss this last strategy called an income share agreement. There's pros and cons, but you definitely need to know about it right here on Life Planning 101.
0: All right, final segment, Life Planning 101, right here on KTX KWBY. Yes,
1: and we have a very special guest, Mr. Jeff Runfield from Kennedy Financial Services, intern there from the School of Financial Planning, working on his master's at Texas Tech. Go Red Raiders and uh, I think, Je- yeah and I think uh, uh, Jeff you can also say Gig'em can't you? So- I, yeah I say
2: Gig'em a, lo- a little more than I say Reck'em. Well.
1: Uh-oh uh oh, <laughs> yeah so well you know um, that they may call that two-faced in some cultures I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway uh, you're giving us some great information you're right there in the thick of uh, funding your own college and what better mm-hmm. person than the one that's been doing all the research right and the School of Financial Planning, about what parents and grandparents can be doing to help their kids strategize to pay for this. And uh, you've given us some great information, you know, as, in regards to student loans and research uh, positions and in public uh, service. So if you've missed any of that, you can obviously go to our website at www.kennedy-financial.com and see this wonderful article that Mr. Rumfield has uh, written that's got tons of resources and information. But let's get into this last strategy because this one is interesting. Interesting good and interesting bad in some ways. So why don't you talk about this income share agreement? What the heck is it?
2: Yeah, so basically an income share agreement, it boils down to you sign an agreement to promise a percentage of your income at graduation to either uh, a pool of investors or a single investor. And you sign up with it through the school And so that was one thing that was interesting that I found during, you know, during my research on it was that it's not something that's offered on the private market. You sign up with it through the school. And so it's only offered at at certain universities. Uh, It's new. It's it's gaining uh, popularity, I believe, just on the, you know, out there on the market. But, um, yeah, super unique funding option.
1: So what is it?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, like I said, basically you agree to pay a percentage of your income. So I have like kind of an example I have laid out It's in the article if you uh, want to go check it out on the website. But So basically say you graduate and you earn $60,000. Well, this ISA you signed, you would have signed for 10 years and you devote 10% of your income. And so the key advantage in this, uh, not to like, get ahead of myself, the key advantage is that there's no interest and you have zero loan balance. You don't have any sort of debt associated to it, but you do have this agreement you've signed. And so for 10 years, you're paying 10% of your income, which is 6000 a year, um, totaling to 60000 And so it can be good, but it can also work against you if you have, uh, obviously, you know, you do the math, a higher-paying salary. You yeah. compare that to a situation where you borrow, say, 40000 in loans, and at a 5% interest rate, over that same 10 years, you'll have paid 51000 So the loan, in that case, would have actually saved you a little bit of money, but you did have to carry that debt with you for that whole 10 years. But say you come out making 40000 then your ISA amount that you would have paid would have been... 40 grand so
1: right
2: it's it's kind of you just have to weigh your options and and basically my research told me was there's a bunch of different terms on these agreements so it's not always
1: 10 percent
2: it's not always 10 percent no you have to shop around different terms different uh percentages and uh you just have to i I mean i guess if you if you're going to one of the schools that offers it you just have to really do research and find one that makes sense for you
1: yeah, and as I understand it, some of those those ISAs may not have a length of time on them. There's a risk with that. Um, or, oh. Or yeah, um, that's what I, I did some follow up research because I was curious. Uh-huh. You know, you taught me a new thing, so I had to go look <laughs> it up and figure out what's going on here. But you know, I think this is where uh, your advisor really comes in handy because a lot uh-huh. of this is projected. It needs to be projected out on what you should do. You know, what what is the career path that you're planning? What is the debt going to look like? What is the interest rate on that debt going to look like? What other liabilities do you have coming down the road or things coming down the road that you don't want that debt to be associated with? Because you mentioned a point that people often overlook is if you have a big balance like that, what does that do to your overall credit?
2: Right. Right.
1: And uh, some people just overlook that. but. I don't think you should if you're going to be purchasing a house. <laughs> so you, you've you got to be looking at that. So that was a really interesting funding mechanism. But I think, it, like you mentioned, needs to be done very carefully because yeah. it's not just borrowing money. You're committing to something.
0: I guess the investor in this, they're betting on you as a college student that you're going to get out and make good money. And that's how they're going to get paid, the investing group.
2: Exactly it, Terry. Yep. In doing research, you know, I was trying to find uh, a provider where you could go in and sign up to get the money. But all I could find online was where you sign up to be the investor. So you pledge your dollars and, and, you know, like you said, with the promise of of money on the back end from the salary the student uh, gets.
1: Yeah, I would want to be part of the Harvard School of Law with those (laughs) lawyers going out of school, I think, right? Um, So, uh, very interesting. But, uh, Jeff Rumfield, right here on Life Planning 101, thank you so much for joining us today and providing valuable information to all of our listeners and the families that we work with. God bless you, Jeff, and uh, God bless all of our listeners. And just have a great week, wonderful week. As we get closer to Thanksgiving, make it about family and remember to put your focus. Focus and joy there right here on Life Planning 101.